On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about what to do to get back on your feet if you're having a bad week. I discuss why you should try and manage your energy rather than time. And I implore you to have another go at your New Year's resolutions if you've already given up rather than writing off the rest of this year. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 149 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I hope you're well. I hope that you have been well for the past two weeks since we last sat down to do an episode like this. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, you would have heard my conversation with Paul Mort. Uh, I've had some really great feedback on that conversation. Paul just knows the podcasting game inside and out, so he was a really great guest. But beyond that, the, the insight, the wisdom, the advice that he shares in the hour and 10 minutes or so on that episode about everything, like there's so much covered. I really recommend that if you haven't yet listened to that episode, you do find time to go back and listen to it. It is a banger, thanks to Paul. So Hope you listen to that one. Um, I'll be honest, this week has been fairly uneventful, fairly messy. And that's kind of where I want to begin because when I sat down and planned this year and kind of the structures that I wanted to have in place to allow me to get more done more reliably, because we've spoken about this before, right? This idea that one of my big goals for this year is to be more consistent. And in being more consistent, I want to make sure that the the time that I spend not doing the days when I can't be bothered, the the moments when I don't have energy are reduced. And one of the systems I put in place for this inside of my calendar was essentially on weeks and off weeks. So every three weeks, there is a, uh, sorry, for three weeks in a row, I guess is the easier way to explain it. There is a green bar at the top of my calendar that says the word on. And then every fourth week, there is a red bar, which says off, right? So it repeats three weeks on, one week off. And this isn't to signify like annual leave or something. I'm not actually off of anything, but it's almost like I wanted to bake in time to account for the fact that there are going to be weeks that are messy or less productive or where I need a rest or where I can't be bothered or where something's getting in the way, which means that I need to kind of scale back slightly the attention that I give to habits and less urgent things in life. And the first off week of this year was going to be next week. And I was kind of looking forward to it. It was going to be a little bit of a treat, whatever, but I moved it forward to this week. This was inside of the the kind of system I created. I'm able to swap on weeks and off weeks so that if I'm having a week where things are getting in the way, where I can't be as focused or as productive as I want to be, where the habits aren't doing as well as I want them to do, I have in the back of my mind this this get out of jail free sorry get out of jail free card almost right I know that I can pull in from some point in the future a off week that I have banked swap it with an on week and then just know that when I get to Monday so this Monday coming we begin again with an on week and hopefully with the the clearance and the runway to do all of the things I need to do now this I'll be honest there's been nothing particularly bad about this week just a mixture between 
the never-ending car shop issue that I'm having currently, by the way, Marcel, if you're listening, I apologize. I'm moaning about yet another car. Marcel said um, earlier last year that all I do on this podcast is speak about my cars and he's not wrong, but that issue kind of came to a head with car shop, which resulted in this like 90 minute long uh, meeting with them yesterday, but also I had to drop my car off with them for the day, which means I was wandering around Cardiff trying to find cafes and places to work in between it being really busy. Um, the day before I, I wake up late, I don't know, something happened basically before the middle of this week, I realized that actually this hasn't been an optimal week, right? This hasn't been like last week and the week before that were really good. And so I may as well swap out this on week, which hasn't actually been that on with anything for an off week. And so that's what I did. And I hope that this system works. And the reason I tell you this is because if it does, and I'll be able to feedback in a few weeks time, it's such an easy way for you to hold yourself accountable, but also get more done in the moments when you need to get more done. Because something big I learned last year, and I may have already covered this before, so I apologize if I have, is that you can't just go and go forever, right? For all of the motivation and willpower and excitement that we all have within us to to get done what we want to get done, whether that's personally or professionally, you have to just scale back every now and then. And when you don't have time planned to do that, when it's not intentional and decided in advance, it's, it's really hard to know when to, right? Do you wait until you crash and then scale back? Because I learned last year that when I crash, I always use the example of 75 hard, 42 days of going to the gym back to back every single day, nonstop whilst trying to do a bunch of other habits. When I hit that brick wall on day 42, when I didn't plan to stop, but was forced to stop, it took weeks, maybe even months to get back to a stage where I was still being productive. Or do you play it by ear? And if you're feeling a little bit kind of, oh, I can't be bothered today, you just do it day by day. I think both of those extremes are not the answer here. I think that the answer is banking off weeks in advance, right? So I have, what, 12 or 13 of them this year, in theory. Hopefully I don't use them all too soon. Um, and then dragging things around so that I know that this week, it's okay to be doing less because I've accounted for it. I'm still doing everything I need to do, don't get me wrong, but doing less when it comes to things like habits and gym and this and that. I know that I have accounted for this. This is priced into this year. This is priced into everything that I want to get done. But also beyond that, I can see a clear end point from this off week, right? It's not like I'm in a rut now and I don't know how to begin again. I need to wait until the next breeze of motivation comes along. No, I can literally wait till Monday and then begin again with the full force of an on week because it starts on Monday and it's really black and white. And so I just thought I'd share that after a a messy week and a week where things haven't been ideal, this idea of baking those kind of weeks into your year, giving yourself a set number of them and then kind of shifting around your calendar in such a way that allows you to breathe when you need to breathe and then push forward when you want to push forward, I think could be interesting. So I'll keep you up to date with that. Um, in a similar vein, something else that I want to cover in this episode is uh, actually something that Paul Moore spoke about. I've heard this idea before, but Paul put it really well. And this, no matter what you do in life, what you do for a job, whatever, right? This is 100% applicable to you. So Paul says that you cannot manage time you can only manage energy, right? And so when people think that they have a 
time management problem when they think that they just don't have time to get done the things they need to get done they that deadline's approaching and they're just not not going to get it done they didn't plan ahead whatever it might be it's really likely that it's not that you don't have time or didn't have time but rather that you didn't have energy right because if you woke up every day and felt 100% like your tank was recharged like you were ready to go and you could go to your job, whatever that might be, and sit or stand there and do exactly what you needed to do, maybe even more for the exact time period that you needed to do it to get done everything you needed to get done. You would still be doing that in the same time, right? And so whether you're getting stuff done or not, that time exists, that time is fixed and you can't bend that time. You can't manipulate that time. You can't do anything with time. It just passes, right? The five to 10 minutes or so that you've been so far listening to or watching this podcast, you can't get back. It's gone. You couldn't change the speed that the time passed. But what you can do is manage your energy, right? You can manage how you feel and how you act and what you do within that time. And that's the big variable. And this is a enormous unlock, I think, because when you stop trying to manage time, which cannot be managed, and you instead reframe it and begin to look at how you can manage your energy because you can manage your energy, suddenly everything changes because your questions aren't, do I have time to do this or can I get this done before the deadline? But rather, what do I need to do to make sure that between now and this deadline, between now and the end of the year, between now and when, I don't know, the kids get back from school, how can I make sure that I have the energy to get done what I need to get done in this fixed unshiftable window of time, right? And so this is something that I am massively focusing on this year because I've almost spoken about it before without realizing it, right? When I talk about going to bed early and then waking up early, uh, going to the gym in the mornings, getting sunlight exposure in the mornings, delaying that caffeine for a couple of hours uh, until my cortisol levels are dipping, all of these things that eating well, going on a walk, taking time away from my screen, all of this stuff, right? What I have essentially been describing there when I say that I feel fantastic, I feel really productive is I have been taking steps to optimize the amount of energy that I have in a day. And when you have more energy, you get more done in a day. And when you get more done in a day, your life goes further, right? So not to be too dramatic about this, but how you manage your energy is a direct kind of lagging measure or sorry, what you get done in your life is a lagging measure of how you manage your energy is probably a better way to put it. So how do you manage your energy? There are five things that I really focus on that I've been focusing on certainly this year, but I guess last year by extension of the habit tracking spreadsheet and all of that stuff. And I genuinely believe that if you can have these five things on lock, if you can master these five things, there is almost nothing that you can't get done, right? Once your your mission, your goal, whatever it is you're working towards becomes too big, of course, then there are questions of delegation and all this stuff, because at a certain point, you do just hit a limit where you don't have time. But for most of us, myself included, we do not have that excuse, right? We're not running 100 million pound, 500 person businesses. So it's not that we need to delegate outwards. We need to look inwards of how we can get more done in our time. And those five things are sleep, nutrition, hydration, movement, and days off. So I believe mastering those five things, sleep, nutrition, hydration, movement, and days off is how you master your energy, how you wake up feeling refreshed, how you can focus in the moment, how you can keep going until you need to finish right, how you get done what you need to get done without crashing or without feeling fatigued or without 
getting distracted because let's remember what Nero Aalto was this time last year on this podcast, which is that I think something like 80% of distractions originate with an internal trigger, right? You're not getting distracted because Twitter is on your phone. You're not getting distracted because Netflix is on the TV. You're first feeling some sort of form of discomfort, whether that's tiredness or fatigue or the you just can't keep going. And then you're reaching for your phone, right? Your phone isn't reaching for you. You're reaching for Netflix. Netflix isn't reaching for you. And so if you can master your energy, not only can you just feel better, but you will get more done. So sleep, this one's obvious. Get eight hours of sleep if you can. Aim for seven, if not. Um, I have really tried to um, dial in on sleep this year to the point where there are days when I've been getting out of bed at like 10 a.m., which is terrible, by the way. Don't ruin your sleeping pattern by shifting your sleep too much in either direction, which I have been doing. However, I have tried to make, so long as there aren't meetings or things like that, I've tried to make those eight hours of sleep a complete non-negotiable. Now, don't get me wrong, for 80% of this year so far, I've been waking up at 6.40, I felt fine, I've got out of bed, it's been all okay. But if for some reason I have gone to bed later, so for example, Monday night I went to see the 1975, didn't know any of their songs, silly idea, but nonetheless went to see them with a friend, got in at like 1am. Uh, there was no way, of course, that I was then going to get out of bed at 6.40, like five and a half hours later. And so instead, to make that sleep the non-negotiable, I just slept in, right? I made sure that I slept for eight hours. Now, not everybody has the luxury of being able to do that because some of us have bosses and times that we need to be in work. But essentially, I think that your day or your week should be planned primarily around when you're going to sleep. Now, that sounds really dry and really boring, but actually try having an exciting life when you're tired and sleep deprived. Try having an exciting life when you're so withdrawn from a social situation because you're knackered that you can't do anything, right? This is the fundamental and the foundation that everything else is built upon. So if you can get eight hours of sleep, I think that that is the single biggest way to make sure that you have the energy to get done what you need to get done. The second one on top of that, and I am learning about this as we go. So do not take anything I say here as fact. This is all a bit woolly, but I'm listening to the book Genius Foods and it speaks about the 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 impacts of certain food types on our brain some for good some for bad right and what i didn't realize until i listened to the author of this book on modern wisdom and then read some of his stuff online and then purchased and read the book is that the way we feel the energy we have the mental clarity the the ability to focus and get stuff done is impacted by the food we eat hugely like beyond belief both in the immediate term, i.e. what happens in the minutes and hours after you eat certain foods, but also, of course, in the long term with the cognitive health of our brains. And so focusing in on what we eat, our nutrition, trying to eat cleaner foods, trying to avoid certain foods, trying to avoid uh, high carb meals because then there's an insulin spike and then a sugar crash and all this stuff. Like, I don't pretend to understand the science, but my prescription here is essentially picking up that book, Genius Foods reading through it once, understanding the very core, the very basic fundamentals of how food, how nutrition affects our ability to function and have energy, and then just base it on that. That's all I've done. I've done no further research here. I've literally read this book, taken some principles from it, and then I plan my breakfasts and lunch and the snacks in the office around that, right? And I feel immeasurably better after a few weeks, changing what you eat, is enormous when it comes to managing your energy. 
The third one, this is really simple, and Floyd Woodrow speaks about this in next week's episode, is hydration. So he tells us on the podcast that you'll hear next week, something like after just, um, when you're something like 10% dehydrated or more, your brain physically begins to shrink, right? There is a a process which begins where water must be drawn to other areas or something I don't know, and your brain begins to shrink, which is why, and you know this feeling because we have all had it, some more than others, when you begin to feel dehydrated, I guess, because it's a human instinct, like your brain can't focus on anything else, right? But more than that, like there are there are processes going on behind the scenes where uh, what percentage of our body's water? Some crazy percent, I don't know. This is not a science podcast. Just the simple fix of drinking enough water, and I've definitely spoken about this before, does huge amounts for your energy and your ability to get things done. Uh, the fourth one, movement. This is really simple. I'm not even talking about going to the gym here. I feel great after I go to the gym, don't we all? However, that's not what this is. I just mean literally going out for 30 minutes in the middle of the day and having a walk. That's what I mean by movement here because 2, 3, 4 p.m., depending on what's going on in the day, when I got into the office, whether I went to the gym or not, there's a moment in the day where despite everything we've already covered, I get to a point where I'm just a bit like, I'm bored of being at my desk now. I need to go and move, right? And at that point, and I know this because for years, particularly when we were in the Cardiff office, this is what I would do. I would just go home and sleep, right? At that point, I feel like what I need is sleep. What I need is a nap. What I need is a Red Bull. What I need is caffeine late in the day or this or that. This It's not true. What I actually need, and I know this to be true because this works every single time, is I need to just go on a walk. I need to go and get some movement into my day. And 20 minutes, 20 minutes is what I did today, to be honest, because it is really icy out there. And the path that I walk on down there uh, behind the office, which has a river on it. There's a stretch that's incredibly icy right now. And I didn't fancy doing any more. So I basically did a lap of that 20 minutes, got back to the office at about 10 past five this evening after that 20 minute walk. And I feel fantastic. The time is 8 p.m. right now. I'm sat here with a decaf tea and my energy is great. I could not have recorded this podcast with the same level of focus and energy if I had sat in the office static not moving, not breathing fresh air, not without sunlight for the whole day. But that 20 minute dose of those things in the middle of the day has given me the opportunity to essentially have a second working day. Now, I'm not suggesting that I'm going to stay here till midnight, but I probably could. I feel great because of the four things that we've spoken about so far. And then the fifth thing in that list to manage your energy is days off. Now, the first point that I spoke about in this podcast today is kind of what I'm talking about here, right? Um, and I don't necessarily mean days off of work, whether you work for somebody, work for yourself, run a business, whatever it might be. Maybe you're a stay at home parent. Even then, right? You're incredibly busy. I mean, days off in the sense of having days where you actually just do nothing or you do something for yourself and you, you plan your day on your terms with no stress, with no input from other people. And you just kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to say detach because some of us don't feel better and recharge through detachment, but just do what you need to do for yourself, right? Because if you're not doing that, you are essentially sat there having your energy taken from you by work, by family life, by friends, by social commitments, by the media that you consume, whatever it might be, right? There needs to be days where you disconnect from that, whether it's once a week, once a month, once a quarter, whatever you can manage. I think once a quarter is a bit extreme. Don't do that, but you know what I mean? Have time where you're giving yourself a proper day off from everything. And if you can, like I spoke about with the on weeks and off weeks, and this just works for me, I'm not sure if it'll work for you, plan those days in advance. So if you're in the middle 
of a difficult week, of a difficult period. And you can't quite see the end in sight. I've always used my Friday walks in Cardiff for this, right? If I'm having a difficult week in the business and there's lots of stressful situations going on, I mean, yes, I would see them through anyway, but knowing that I have that complete detachment on a Friday evening when I'm here in Wales, where I will just go to Cardiff and I'll walk around for two hours, maybe with my earphones in, maybe not, but there's nobody speaking to me. There's no emails creeping up on me. There's no stress. There's no input. There's no questions. There's no requests. There's nothing, right? That's the thing that I look forward to. And because I know it's planned, because I know it's coming, um, it makes a, it makes a marginal difference. I think it allows me to to push that little bit more in the moments when I need to, because I know that that time is coming. And so they're the five things, right? That I think help me manage my energy both day to day and in the longer term. And as we spoke about, Paul has touched on it too. How you manage your energy is actually how you manage your time because you can manipulate your energy using those five things. You cannot manipulate time using anything whatsoever, right? So sleep, nutrition, hydration, movement, and days off. Really focus on those things. If you're thinking that you need to get more done this year, stop worrying about time. Still use time boxing in your calendar. Don't get me wrong. Plan your time, but don't think that you can manipulate time. Don't think that you can suddenly squeeze two hours worth of stuff into an hour. Instead, ask yourself how you can use each hour most effectively by having the energy to show up and do so. Um, And then the third thing, the final thing that I want to speak about today in this kind of connected stream of thoughts is that the year is not over. I'm seeing everywhere on social media right now. I'm not sure if it's because it's now the middle of January and we've had the the nonsense that is blue January and all this stuff and people are slowly looking forward to spring because it's getting a bit light outside and I don't know, Love Island's back on TV so the gyms are getting quieter and fewer people are going. I don't know what it is, but people are suddenly acting as if we're smack bang in the middle of the year and there's nothing they can do again. Like, I don't know what's happened. I know this happens every year, but I don't know why it happens so consistently around this point, right? People are acting as if the stories that they told themselves of what they're going to get done this year are now unviable, that the narrative has been dropped and they can't pick it back up because they've had a few bad days, right? So I tweeted the other day, let me pull it up. Hold on. I said, if you've already given up on your New Year's, if you've already given up on your New Year's resolutions, sorry, grow up and start again. I say, there is nothing more damaging than wasting the next 50 weeks in a tailspin because you've had a bad couple of days in January. Being absolutist is the enemy of long-term progress. Go again. Now, that's a short tweet. So there's there's new ones that we need to work through here. But essentially what I'm saying is if you have failed absolutely every single goal that you have set for yourself this year, if you failed on day one, if you failed yesterday, if you failed at any point in between, right? If you have absolutely disappointed yourself, people around you are saying, what a dick, look, this person said they're going to do this. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how bad things have got, no matter how disappointed in yourself you are or how unmotivated you are because this stuff that you want to do is more difficult, it is absolutely absurd to me that you would just give up now, that you would say, okay, I'm done. Like my new year's resolutions can only be set and worked through in the new year, in the first few days of the year. And then if I give up, well, then that's just that I'll need to start again next year. That's complete bollocks. Right. And It's just so crazy that because of this kind of cultural idea of New Year's resolutions beginning at the beginning of the year, the second people drop the thread, they act as though there's nothing they can do. They act as though there's something almost wrong with just beginning again a few days later, right? And what I say in that tweet, I believe, is is the fundamental piece here that it is so damaging. It is such 
a waste of time and potential that if you have failed dry January, if you failed doing 5,000 steps a day, if you failed whatever it is that you set out to do, to believe that that is an end point. Okay, I have failed, past tense. There's nothing I can do about that. I'll just go back to eating shit. I'll just go back to not going to the gym. I'll just go back to being on my phone for three hours a day. I'll just go back to four hours of Netflix a night. I'll just go back to drinking every night. I'll just go back to doing this damaging thing that I desperately want to avoid within myself, but I failed once. And so I have to give up because New Year's resolutions happen in the new year. And it's now the middle of January. When I say that out loud, you and I both know that sounds ridiculous, but actually the majority of people who set New Year's resolutions, if they have so far failed, are living their lives exactly like that. They are living their lives through that nonsense frame that they can't do anything. And so if, if this is you, I apologize because it sounds like I just went on a mad one. But if this is you, please just begin again, right? Set a 21st of January resolution, set a next Monday resolution, set a end of next week resolution, and just go again. Maybe tweak it, maybe scale back, maybe change the rules if you struggled last time, learn from why you went wrong, learn from what went wrong. But do not give up, do not act as though this year is destined to fail, that you're going to be stuck in the same spot at the end of the year that you were in the beginning of the year because a couple of days went wrong. Because that's all it takes, right? For the majority of us, myself included, in a bunch of different situations, if I fail on a habit for a few days, I believe that I'm the problem. And I believe that because I can't change myself, no change will come about. And so I just give up, right? We all give up, but that's just silly. And when you say it out loud, you realize that. So if you have set and failed on a new year's resolution, please go again. Just please try again. Even if you only do it once more, try again. And if you haven't set goals for this year, then you know my piece on that already. Go and set some goals, set some resolutions, do them in the middle of January. That's completely fine. You will get far more done this year if you go again than you will if you act as though the year is over because you drank a couple of beers on a Friday night. Just begin again, please. And that is everything I have. Um, I'm going to be driving back to Corby tomorrow and then do nothing this weekend, like properly have a weekend off and then go again on Monday. Next week, you're going to hear my conversation with Floyd Woodrow. Uh, and then we're going to do a 150 episode Q&A on episode 151, just to confuse things. And then after that, there are a bunch of great guests coming up. I believe it is Floyd Woodrow, David Robson, the author of The Expectation Effect, Moshe Barr, a neuroscientist and the author of Mind Wondering. Uh, Ali Abdul has confirmed in a new date for April. So we'll be recording together in London in April with Ali. Uh, Danny Buck, the founder of Crafted, has confirmed. So he'll be coming on at the end of this month. We're going to record. And also Dr. Meg Arnold, the author of a book called Tiny Traumas, is coming on. Very, very interesting subject matter. I won't spoil too much yet. But basically, there are guest episodes coming. There are guest episodes in the works. There are other people in my inbox that I'm so excited about that hopefully come through. This is going to be the year that we crack the nut that is guest episodes because 2021 started off well, flopped. 2022 was fairly strong, but I had the mini content-related identity crisis in the middle of the year. This year is the year that we do it right. And I'm very excited. So thank you for being here as always. Thank you for listening to this. I hope you have a good week and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 150 of Life and Lessons. See you then.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.